G'day, it's Phil Edwards, Vision CEO here, with a quick invitation to become part of this amazing beacon of hope called Vision. Together we can put our love into action to help people of all kinds build or rebuild their lives on the truth of God. Please consider the part you can play during our upcoming Visionathon appeal, remembering that it's your support that makes Vision possible, including this podcast. Life, Culture and Current Events from a Biblical Perspective, 2020 on Vision. Well, if it's one topic you don't hear much about in the lead-up to Christmas on Vision Radio, it's Santa Claus. And that's usually because the baby in the manger can, for some people, be easily obscured by the big guy in the red with the big white beard. But Christians are not afraid of the Santa phenomenon. The reality is the Santa we know from history was a Christian man. In fact, at one stage, jailed, awaiting death for his Christian faith, and upon release, preached against pagan practices of infanticide, sexual promiscuity and corrupt government. Well, it sounds like the things we talk about on 2020. An unlikely advocate for getting the facts straight around Santa at Christmas time is Dave Pello. Dave Pello is a Christian activist. He's the founder of the Church and State Summits and someone who's not afraid of the rough and tumble around opponents of Christian belief. He's joining us for a grown-up conversation around Santa Claus. Dave Pello, welcome back to 2020. Thank you, Neil. Always a pleasure to join you and and discuss the rough and tumble. (laughs) Hey, Dave, you have been uncovering all sorts of information around Santa Claus and working to dispel some of the myths, be they good or bad, around Christians and Christmas time. Uh, What have you discovered? Well, I'm with you completely. I've I've, um, been one of the objectors to Santa Claus's presence in any Christian celebration. I was annoyed a couple of years ago when I was at a church and we had a community Christmas event and Santa Claus was a feature um, to, you know, tickle the kids' fancy. I'm like, come on, why don't we just focus on Jesus? And uh, the fact is that uh, we have to be prepared to change our mind when we're wrong by an examination of the facts, if we're true lovers of truth. And um, I came across a historian who opened my eyes to the history of Santa Claus. Instead of just the commercial legend that we're fed regularly by the mainstream media, what do Christian historians say? What do um, objective historians say? And the fact, as, as you outlined in your introduction, is he's a Christian hero. Uh, Santa Claus was perhaps one of the first pro-life Christian activists opposing things like infanticide. Uh, in in the paganism of the culture around him. And uh, that's an exciting thing. And I think we can say, all right, well, it's sometimes true that if you can't beat them, join them. But in this case, we're going to go a whole lot further. If you want to talk about Santa Claus at Christmas, let's talk about the fact that he was a disciple and worshipper of the living Jesus Christ. He was sold out for the cause at the cost of his own life. He gave away an entire inheritance that his wealthy parents uh, left to him, and he did it in secret, uh, promising those who found out about it to secrecy until after his his natural life had passed. Uh, And so I've uh, gotten into the, the history of it to then share it with other people who, like me, might be... Um, a bit worried about some of these traditions, um, and returning us to a message that preaches Christianity instead of uh, obsessing with potential rumours of paganism. 
in some sense, you've got to be a revisionist of the revisionists who have painted Santa in such a light as to make him a pagan figure. Uh, but as an historic figure, and as you say, you've got to look for credible Christian historians who are able to identify the facts around this man. And uh, and so we're going back to the third century here. And uh, you mentioned he was raised in a, a Christian home. And uh, I mentioned in the introduction that, uh, you know, he was even awaiting death uh, under yeah. Emperor Diocletian at one stage. Yeah, right. uh, but so as a historic figure, we have to acknowledge he was there. And then in some ways, we have to be able to identify those aspects of his character which actually show who he really was and not just some sort of fictional character who wears red and, uh, you know, maybe he was some sort of expression of marketing for Coca-Cola. You've got to be able to put all those things aside, haven't you? Well, it's probably look into them. Like, let's un- let's understand where they come from. And, and where they come from is the fact that the legend of Santa Claus, the, the famous story about him, has transcended time and culture. And so multiple cultures have uh, imputed some of their own characteristics into Santa Claus, um, which may not have been factual to his life, but they're still nonetheless part of the reality that they were celebrating a Christian message. So, uh, you know, uh, some people started um, attributing to Santa Claus, you know, the the list where we're going to check if you've been naughty or nice. Um, That actually comes from an adaptation from Revelation where Jesus comes on a white horse to, to judge uh, humanity and there's this sort of like this mini reckoning every year where they attributed to Santa Claus the the uh, Saint Nicholas um, the accounting for how you've behaved that year and and what's it going to look like for you on the final day and and as this myth migrated north to places like Norway there were no horses they only had reindeer and and so you see these um, evolutions which actually have a very biblical foundation and, and the evolution itself is relatively harmless. And when we look at the evidence of what other nations have done to honour St Nick, as I understand it in England, there are more than 500 churches named after St Nicholas uh, as a man of history, very, very significant. And uh, when churches are naming themselves after that, uh, obviously there are some good things about his character that they wanted to identify with. That's right. And in fact, um, as far as the Eastern Orthodox Church is concerned, uh, the Russian side of, of Christianity in, um, in ancient times, um, they actually chose Nicholas as their patron saint for the whole lot, just like uh, Patrick is somewhat of a patron saint for Ireland. And so in, in Russia, um, Tsarist Russia, the detail that's important is that he was examining all the world religions and um, he he had a look at Islam and, and others, and then he came to the Greek Orthodox people, and they basically said, uh, well, look, the New Testament's actually written in our language, and, and um, you know, and Nicholas is our patron, patron saint, and they, and so Nicholas, the churches named after St. Nicholas in Russia are equally uh, common, if not far surpassing it, and in that time of history, Russia comprised about a third of the known world. So he's become a very, very established institution uh, in Christianity long before Coca-Cola was ever heard of. And I can see that you're not trying to elevate Santa Claus above 
Jesus the reason for the season, but somehow or other we've got to have a right context in there, and he actually does have a place in a Christian Christmas. Uh, the mm-hmm. date, the date of Christmas too. This is what you've been uh, uncovering too, Dave. Um, you know, we have Christmas, uh, December twenty fifth, and uh, all sorts of myths have developed around that, good and bad too. What have you discovered about the date of Christmas? Well, the common thing that some people might have heard of is that Christmas is the feast of the undefeated sun, uh, which is a pagan ritual. And the Christmas event was essentially superimposed over that um, and just so people would start accidentally becoming Christians. Um, now, there's a little bit of truth and a little bit of falsehood to that. Uh, the, the, the winter solstice in the Northern Hemisphere is actually on the 21st or the 22nd of December, depending on which year. So it's actually four or five days earlier. It's got nothing to do with December 25th specifically. And as far as uh, paganism goes, there was a time in Roman history where paganism was actually made illegal. It wasn't just co-opted and and snuck in. It was made illegal altogether. Uh, Now, the Feast of the Undefeated Sun was actually renamed from S-U-N to S-O-N. Uh, utterly replacing the worship of the sun that moves through the sky and in law, which then was culture across the nation, replacing it with the worship of Jesus Christ, not sneakily, but uh, broadcast publicly. Um, And the actual date of December 25 isn't coincidental. It has very biblical foundations. Uh, In Luke chapter 1, we, we see that John the Baptist's father is described as, as being of a certain division of the priesthood. And uh, biblical archaeology has discovered that what that means is a reference to when King David divided the priesthood into uh, 24 different parts and each gave them two turns a year to be on service in the temple. We also see in Luke chapter 1 the clue that the whole multitude of Israel was gathered out the front. And that doesn't happen every weekend um, at the temple. Uh, what when it happens is on very significant feasts, and it's believed that it was Yom Kippur, the, the day of the Feast of Atonement. And, and so what the historians have been able to do is figure out the rough date in history, um, to, like within a, a week or so, within a couple of days, when John the Baptist was conceived. And so in the tradition of Christianity in, in the uh, classic church time, it was traditionally held that John the Baptist was conceived on September 25. Now, when Mary visited Elizabeth, uh, it was around the time that she conceived uh, by the Holy Spirit. And, of course, um, the Holy Spirit said to the angel said to her at that time that your cousin Elizabeth is now six months with child. So that means that Mary conceived around March 25, six months after September 25. And, of course, full term of pregnancy, nine months after after uh, March 25 is December 25. Nothing to do with paganism, uh, but it's based in Christian tradition and clues in Scripture about when Jesus was probably born. Although it's true to say we don't know the exact date to 100% certainty. Uh, The important point is it's a Christian foundation. Some things you don't want to be dogmatic about. And Dave, some will be saying, where are you getting all this information from? But uh, you had on your own 
online interview program uh, through Pello Talk. And uh, oftentimes when we're talking, I'll mention to listeners, uh, check out DavePello.com or Pello Talk and uh, be able to see some of the interviews that you're doing with various identities. And uh, this time you spoke to William J. Federer. He's written the book on Christmas. He's literally written the book on Santa Claus and the history of Christmas traditions. Uh, and what I like to do on my program, exactly why um, I like listening to 2020, is because we can't know everything. So let's talk to people that are smarter than us, who are experts in, in their particular field. Um, and this guy has put in all the time, put in the diligent research. Um, he's a historian. And uh, and so I I couldn't even have a quick conversation with him. It had to be close to two hours. Uh, and so even that interview got divided into three parts to, to then get put on, on the website. Um, and it's well worth listening to. Pastors are sharing it around their congregations because uh, we've gotten into this trap of preaching paganism. Some people, some people are obsessed about the origin of Christmas trees and December 25 and and, you know, why does Santa Claus wear red? I was like, hang on, this is one of the best opportunities each year. There's two occasions where resistance to the gospel is at its lowest. One is Easter, and the other is the whole month of Christmas. Um, and so why would we be choosing to talk about those things when they're not even really credible rumors? There's so much Christian history here. Let's preach Jesus Christ and him crucified, because that's what Santa did. Well, we want to be experts on the Christmas story, and undoubtedly there'll be some who'd say, I'd like to add a dimension to that so I can understand the real history of St. Nicholas, so I can understand where he fits in the Christian perspective, in the context of what the gospel is all about and where history has grown through the church. And uh, I know that there's that book you mentioned, and uh, listeners might like to Google William J. Federer and uh, find the book that he wrote on Christmas, or you might like to go to uh, Dave Pellow's website and check out the interview, Three Parts, uh, you'll be an expert on Santa Claus after having listened into some of those. DavePello.com, there'll be a link there that you can listen to the three-part conversation with that particular identity. His name, William J. Federer. Great getting your yeah. insights, Dave. And there's a website, too, called AmericanMinute.com. But uh, yeah. check out the interviews all the, on... All the links are in that interview, in that post on my website. Uh, there's so many addresses to find that in information. I hope it's not too confusing. Dave Pello, yeah. just great getting your insights. Thanks so much for sharing with us those things about Santa Claus and where he fits into the Christian message. Because uh, even, you know, we could have a longer conversation here. Even I understand that uh, as another little evidence here in some Islamic nations around the world, Santa Claus is banned. Do you know why? Because he's an icon of Christianity. And uh, that's yeah. an interesting one too. Dave Pello, thanks so much for joining us today on 2020. Merry Christmas, Neil. Thanks for taking time to listen to this audio on demand from Vision Christian Media. To find out more about us, go to vision.org.au. 